Well, good morning, everybody. I want to welcome you and especially honor the mothers that we have both in this room, but also at the Santan campus and in Overflow. We are here to honor you today, and we're so glad that you chose to spend part of your Mother's Day here with us at Cornerstone. And I want to acknowledge that though this is a very happy day for many people, Mother's Day is also a hard day for some. For some, maybe a few of you lost your mom uh, in the last year, and so there's an empty chair today, and you're feeling that loss. There are others who would say, you know what, I really had a difficult relationship with my mom, or I continue to have a difficult relationship, and so today kind of stirs up all those ouches for you. Or maybe for some here, you've got some challenges as a mom with one of, or more of your kids. Maybe a child who is ill or a child who is far away from God these days. And then, no doubt, there are a few among us who say, you know what, we are wrestling with the pain of infertility. And maybe you long to be a mom, and for reasons that you don't understand so far, God has not given you that blessing. So whatever your story is, however you've come in here today, I honor you for your courage uh, to be here. And I have a message that's primarily for moms, but I'm certainly hoping that the rest of you will discern with the help of God what he has for you today as well. You know, I came very close to not being a mom myself. My husband and I were married for nine years um, before we had children. And then we began to pray about it and to try to discern if this was something that God might have for us. And the reason the decision was so difficult is because our lives were very full. We were both working full time in jobs and ministry life, and we just weren't sure. And we knew, <clears throat> excuse me, that if we were going to have children, we were going to have to make some adjustments in our life, which turned out to be an understatement. So we began to, every vacation I remember we'd go away and we'd make lists of like pros and cons of having children. The most analyzed decision of anyone I know. We talked to all our friends, got their opinion, even asked random strangers. And somehow after a while we decided, you know what, let's see if God would um, give us this blessing. And I'll never forget leaving the doctor's office the first time um, after finding out that I was indeed expecting a child. And there were three words reverberating around in my head as I drove home. And those were, and this too, God, you have blessed me already so abundantly in my life, and I can't get over the wonder that now you're going to allow me the privilege of being a mom. I have two daughters. They are now uh, 24 and 21. I think we have a photo of them. This is uh, Samantha and Johanna. And they are the joy of my life, as you'll hear more about. But as long as we're showing photos, I need to show you who I am mothering now because I'm an empty nester. And my younger daughter convinced me that we needed an empty nest dog. I didn't know that was a thing. Did you know that's a thing? She said, you need something to nurture. So she convinced us. And this is our dog, Beanie, who I know looks like the saddest thing <clears throat> you've ever seen. I'm trying to teach her how to smile. Um, <laughs> She's actually really happy, you just can't, you just can't tell. <laughs> but motherhood has surprised me in so many ways. It still surprises me, actually. And I have several nieces who are now uh, new moms. One of them, one of my favorite nieces is Amy. Um, she has three little girls. And recently she invited me to come by her home and to sit down and talk about motherhood. She was looking for any little advice she could glean from her Aunt Nancy about mothering girls. 
My apologies to those of you who have sons. I really don't know anything about raising boys. But uh, this is a photo of Amy with, uh, or her three girls actually. That's Ava, Sydney, and Charlie. So we sat down that day, and she had a cup of coffee, and I had my hot tea, and she looked at me with her big brown eyes. She said, Aunt Nancy, I need help. What can you tell me? Now, her youngest, Charlie, was running around. The other two were at school, and she was distracting us every once in a while. But I looked at my niece, and I wondered where to begin. All the things I would like to tell her, all the things I'd like to warn her about and encourage her about. It reminded me of a book by Maria Shriver that came out a few years ago as her oldest was going off to college. And the title of the book was One More Thing Before You Go. And I started to think of all the one more things that I would like to tell Amy about motherhood. So I dedicate this message to her and to all of the moms who are listening today. And I really hope that there will be applications to those of you who are not moms. So if I could talk to Amy, I want to tell you briefly seven things that I would most want to let her know that I've discovered, things I really didn't know before I became a mom. First of all, I did not know that I would have to invent motherhood for myself. If you go to any bookstore and you stand in front of the parenting section, you will be overwhelmed with advice if you even talk to another mom or dad, you will want to get so much information about how children should sleep and what they should eat and how to discipline them, whether you should homeschool them or not, how to guide them in activities, how to help them make the best friends, how to figure out what college or profession they should go into. And you're going to just be so flooded with so many opinions and perspectives. Actually, they won't sound like opinions. They'll come out like declarations, like this is the one right way to do parenting. And I think most of these voices tended to make me, anyway, feel totally inadequate. I think these pressures are particularly severe for women. Not only is there a sense that maybe there's only one right way to be a mother, but also this pressure that maybe there's only one right way to do life. And yet, I see women flourishing who have made all different kinds of choices. Some who have chosen not to be a mother. Some who work outside the home. Some who do not. Some who are single moms. All kinds of choices. And we women invest way too much energy evaluating and comparing ourselves to one another. Frances Burke wrote this. She said, there is no one secret way to be a good mother. Each of us has to invent motherhood for herself and invent it over and over as we move forward through it. We can find the common threads of motherhood from talking to each other, but everyone is different. Each child is different, and we are different with each child. No one can explain how to do it. Each of us must figure it out for ourselves. Being a good mother is doing what you are capable of doing under the circumstances that confront you and those circumstances are yours alone. So I would look at my niece Amy and I would say, you must invent motherhood for yourself. This doesn't mean that you ignore all the helpful information out there and certainly not that you ignore this book and all the wisdom in it, but after exploring various perspectives and listening to opinions, it's time to quit looking over your shoulder or over your backyard fence and figure out, with God's help, what is best for you and your family. 
We need to avoid the sins of judging and envy and slander and stop all the comparisons and discern with the help of the Holy Spirit how motherhood should look, motherhood should look and be for a person wired just like you. You're going to do it different than everyone else. James 3.16 tells us that where you have envy, there you find disorder and every evil practice. I would want Amy to know that no one else is married to her husband, Matt, to a guy exactly like him. No one else has the three precise little girls that she has. No one else has her list of strengths and weaknesses. So no one else is going to be a mom just like her. Moms, I challenge you to boldly, boldly allow our Heavenly Father to help you custom design motherhood just for you. This leads me to the second thing I didn't know. I did not know that it's okay to be good enough. When I was a young mom of toddlers, I read a book called Good Enough Mothers. And I remember as soon as I saw the title, I thought, is that even possible? Because I had set such amazingly high standards for myself. And I was dealing with so much mother guilt. So my dear niece, Amy, here's what I found out. I am not going to be the mom who designs the most elaborate Halloween costumes or who makes the organic gourmet meals every night for dinner. I'm not going to be the one who never misses a single moment of my children's lives or who always acts with patience or who gives profound wisdom to my girls every step of the way. But I can be good enough. I can give them what they most need. Here's what I think my daughters most need. They need to know that I treasure them, that I love them outrageously, almost with an irrational kind of love. I think there's three basic questions that every child asks of their mother. They don't ask them directly or even consciously. And I also believe that we ask them all through our life. My mother is still living, she's 91. And I still, uh, you know, in my heart of hearts, ask these questions of my mom. The first one is, Mama, do you see me? Do you see me? Every child comes into the wor world with his or her own unique personality, strengths, and weaknesses. And one of our most significant jobs as a mother is to uncover and discover the wonder of who that child is. Psalm 139 tells us that each of us was fearfully and wonderfully made, woven together in our mother's womb, designed like no other human being on the planet. Each child longs to be seen as a treasure. I have an adult friend I used to work with, and he missed out on this gift from his mother. She did a lot of things well, but she never really saw him. And this guy is remarkable. He's a very artistic guy. He's a painter and a chef. He is very strategic in his thinking. He's raising three kids of his own, but he feels invisible to his mom. He told me once, she doesn't get me. She doesn't really know me. And I find that very sad because I'm watching how he's trying to turn that around and how he values each one of his three kids uniquely. The next question all children ask is, Mama, do you hear me? Do you hear me? One of the greatest gifts we can give our kids at any age is to actively, and I mean actively, really listen to them. 
to give them our full attention. Now, this has been difficult for me because my two girls are extremely verbal. I don't think they have an unexpressed thought or feeling. So if I were to listen to them actively all the time, I wouldn't get anything else done. But there needs to be some moments where I push away the distractions, where I give them my eyes, and I listen really, really well. One writer said it this way, listen to your child as if he is a national hero. Listen as if she is a spiritual prophet. Listen as if he is your boss. Listen as if she came down from Mars. Listen as if he holds the future of the world stored in his mind. Try for one minute giving her the attention you would give to the people mentioned above. Listen with respect, and he will be comfortable expressing his thoughts, both good and bad. Once again, I quote the words of the Apostle James. James is so practical. This is a verse we should all memorize. He says, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. That will always be a huge challenge for me. The third question children are asking is, Mama, do you accept me? So they want to know, do you see me? Do you hear me? And do you accept me? Being loved unconditionally is our greatest desire. We all want to know that we're going to be loved no matter what. And too many children and adults are walking through life feeling as though they will never measure up to the standards set by their parents. Now, acceptance does not mean that we necessarily approve always of everything our children do. They need to know, however, that while certain behaviors are not acceptable, they are always acceptable to us. My niece Amy has told me often that she feels like a failure as a young mom. And I would look into her eyes and I would say, you can do this. And I say this to every mom here today, you can do this. You can see your children. You can value them. You can listen to them and you can accept them. These are the greatest gifts. Let go of all the other myriad mountain of expectations and focus on these great gifts that you really can, with God's help, give to your children. Here's one more thing, Amy, I did not know. I did not know how parenting would enrich my marriage. As I said, we were married for nine years without kids, and we had a strong marriage. I don't believe that everybody needs to have children in order to flourish as a couple, and I don't think everybody should. But I was so surprised at how much joy I got out of watching my husband with these two little girls. You see, he was not the kind of guy who always wanted kids. He only just kind of tolerated other people's kids. He never really wanted to hold them or get too close to them. So I could not believe how from the moment he first held these little girls, they stole his heart. Here's a photo of Warren with the girls when they were younger. Our daughters are both theater majors, and this started uh, when they were young. They were doing productions in the basement all the time. And there was only one male in the house, so he had to play all the male roles. So they pulled Dad into being King Triton and Aladdin and all the monsters and all the rest. And he's an introvert. And I would watch him throw himself into these productions with the girls. I've watched him coach them in soccer, teach them how to manage money, affirm their beauty as they were ready to go off to a school dance, and also share with them his concerns for alleviating suffering and poverty in the world. His greatest passion is for the marginalized. He has had a profound influence on these girls. 
Only a dad would be willing when March Madness basketball is like his favorite sporting event of the entire year to spend that weekend recently sitting through six plays of his daughter's production. Thank the Lord for DVR, however. <laughs> but Warren and I love to talk about our girls. It's our favorite subject. It's the focus of so many of our prayers. And when I see him with our girls, I love him more than ever. And I know that this has also been true for my niece, Amy, with her husband, Matt. Here's one more thing I did not know, Amy. I did not know how important it would be to take care of myself as a mom. You know, there's this myth out there that to be a really good mother, you have to be a martyr and you have to treat your children as little gods. Many women deny themselves and sacrifice everything for their children. Time for exercise or solitude, for refreshments, time alone with your husband or your good friends is squeezed out. And we mistakenly believe that to be the kind of mother we think God expects us to be and everyone else, we have to invest all that we are in that one role. But I have learned, Amy, that there's a big difference, a big difference between self-care and selfishness. Jesus in the second greatest commandment told us, love your neighbor as what? as yourselves. Love your neighbor as yourselves. It isn't healthy, nor is it biblical to neglect paying attention to yourself. In fact, every parenting expert you read would support this truth. A mom or dad who takes care of both the body and the spirit gives a tremendous gift to his or her children. I learned that no one wants to be around a mom who is always exhausted, who lacks energy, and joy and delight, who goes through life with a very depleted spirit. Wise moms know that sometimes we have to say no to a request or an opportunity in order to say yes to ourselves. This is especially true for single moms who carry such a heavy load and desperately need every day to have a few moments to be refreshed and to be renewed. Here are three good questions I would urge Amy to ask herself every day. What have I done to take care of my body today? What have I done to take care of my mind today? This is especially true when your kids are little because the mind just goes, so you, you need to do something there. What have I done to take care of my spirit today? We don't have time with Amy's little girl, Charlie, running around for me to go into much detail, but I do want to highlight one way that I learned to take care of myself. I mistakenly thought when I first had children that one of the luxuries that I was probably going to have to let go of and sacrifice was time with female friends. I just thought, I don't know how I'm going to make room for that. But wiser moms said to me, no, don't let go of that. You're going to have to be creative of how you get together with those friends, but you need to be intentional because those women will be the key in many ways for you making it through this motherhood adventure. And when the girls were little, lots of times that creativity meant meeting moms at McDonald's and letting the kids run around in that play place thing doing who knows what so that we could talk to each other. It meant uh, late night phone calls. It meant just trying to find ways periodically that I could invest, invest in female friendship. When I turned 50 for my 50th birthday, some of my closest women friends gathered together for a celebration. We have a picture of them. Um, we gathered together down in Florida. And as I look at that picture, I think to myself, I don't know how I would have made it through the last couple of decades 
without the part that these women played in my life. I would say to Amy, you don't need six or seven friends, but you need at least a couple. You need some women who are safe places that you can vent to, women you can cry with and pray with and ask questions of. It's so, so important. You know, there's a tremendous example in Scripture of female friendship. I don't know if you've noticed this before, but it's found in Luke chapter 1. It's about a very famous young mom, Mary. Not just any ordinary mom, but the mother of our Savior. And we're told in Luke that when she found out that she was going to have a baby, she hurried. She hurried immediately, and it was difficult then. There, were no, there was no public transportation. So I don't know how she got there, but she went out to the hill country to be with her relative, Elizabeth. This was the one person that Mary longed to be with and she thought she could understand because she had heard that she too was expecting a child. Now Elizabeth was much older and she was expecting John the Baptist. And we're told in scripture that these two women had three months together. I love to imagine what they talked about for those 90 days. Young Mary was in her first trimester of pregnancy. Elizabeth was in her third trimester. And I can imagine how they laughed together, how they wondered in awe together at these two boys that they were going to have the privilege to birth. Young moms and older moms, make room for female friendship. It is essential that you take care of yourself. Healthy moms are more at peace with themselves. Moms who are martyrs become boring or bitter, and you don't want to choose that path. It's also vital, I think, for our children to know that the whole universe does not revolve around them, that their mom is a real person, that she has a life, that there's actually some other concerns in the world that she puts some of her energies towards. Here's another thing I did not know. I did not know how much I would grow from being a mom. If you are a parent, did you know that part of God's agenda in forming your family is forming you? You know, our primary goal in life is supposed to be that we would be transformed over time from the inside out to become more like Jesus in every way. Parenting can be an amazing graduate school of character growth. Gary Thomas wrote this in his book, Sacred Parenting. He said, once we realize that we are sinners, that the children God has given us are sinners, which we figure out quite quickly, actually, and that together, as a family, we are to grow toward God, then family life takes on an entirely new purpose and context. It becomes a sacred enterprise when we finally understand that God can baptize dirty diapers, toddlers' tantrums, and teenagers' silence in order to transform us into people who more closely resemble Jesus Christ. Let me give you one example of how my character has developed through motherhood. This one goes back many years. Um, but when Samantha, my, young, my oldest, was a toddler, um, she was already three and was not yet potty trained, which I was starting to get a little nervous about. And one of my friends, a well-meaning mom, said, here's a book. This will help you. Toilet Training in a Day. I don't know if you've heard of this book. It was quite famous back then. She said, this will work. This works like gold with my son. I'm sure this will do the trick. So I read the book, and I'm a bit of an overachiever, so I took like six pages of notes, and I'm carefully selecting the day, the big day, when Samantha was going to be potty trained. 
And I told my husband, you know, you go to work. I am going to, I am so set. I've got the treats ready. It's basically like behavior modification. I've got the little chair ready. Um, we are, we are going to have a successful experience here. So Samantha really liked the treats part, and she would sit her dolly on this little chair, and her dolly would go potty. But Samantha would just sit in the chair, and I would read her books, and nothing would happen for hours. And then she would walk away and go somewhere else and have an accident. And this happened like three or four times. After about six hours, I was a wreck. I gave up. I said, clearly, I'm a failure. My patience had been pushed to the limit. And Samantha felt awful. And she saw how upset her mom was. About 6 p.m., all I wanted to do was sit in the tub with a glass of wine, and I am not a big drinker. But I had had a terrible, terrible day, and I needed to grow in my patience. Now, I'm happy to report Samantha's now 24, fully potty trained. It's all, <laughs> all handled now, so that's good. But my niece, Amy, struggles with patience as well. I've seen this at so many of our family gatherings. And I would tell her, you know what, Amy? If you're willing to cooperate with God's agenda in your life, if you're willing to surrender to him, he is going to form you over time. He really will into a gradually more patient, kind, and loving mom. It's a daily battle to surrender to control and to allow God to slow me down and change my heart. Which leads me to one more thing. I did not know how much how much I would need to listen to God's still small voice. I would tell Amy and all moms here today that nothing has been more significant to my life as a mom than my personal relationship with God and cultivating that. And believe me, I know how hard it is to make room for that. There are eras when you're just chasing toddlers around or nursing a baby or later when you become the chauffeur and, and you're just always in the car taking kids to so many activities and you wonder, how am I supposed to connect with God? I don't have room for a whole hour of prayer or being on my knees or whatever. But what I learned is that God wants to walk with us moment by moment in this mothering adventure. He wants to give us strength when we have none, wisdom when we are clueless, patience when we want to blow up. If we come to him, we can always count on him to listen, to be our refuge, to be our safe place. In fact, you may not know this, but the Bible frequently describes God as a mother in very maternal images, especially in the book of Isaiah and the Psalms. Look at these verses. It says in Isaiah, he tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. Isn't that beautiful? And then in Isaiah 66, God says, as a mother comforts her child, so will I comfort you. Moms, grandmoms, your heavenly father wants to comfort you like that. No matter what your age, he in effect wants you and invites you to crawl up into his lap to receive his tender, tender care. God wants to love you with an outrageous, comforting, sustaining love every single day of your mothering adventure. And I would tell Amy, don't try to do this without the God who wants to walk with you and guide your steps. Well, by this time, Amy's eyes would be glazed over and she would say, please, Aunt Nancy, not one more thing. And you're thinking the same thing. So my last one, 
best of all, really, I did not know how much I would love being a mom and that my girls would eventually become the people that I most want to be with. Surely motherhood has stirred up the deepest feelings I've ever felt. Cokie Roberts once said, I always wanted children, but until they were actually part of my life, did I realize that I could love that fiercely or get that angry. I'm not at all suggesting that only moms and dads know deep love. I think we can know very deep love in this life without children. But I've just been surprised at the intensity of my love for these two girls. And I sure didn't expect that I would discover them to be, along with their father, my three favorite people to be with. I just didn't know that collectively they would become my most treasured people in the universe. A friend recently compared parenthood to that old game of shoots and ladders. I don't know if you played that or remember it. It was quite aggravating, really, because just when you thought you were winning, it would send you back many, 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 many steps and you'd fall down the ladder. And parenting is a lot like that, kind of like a roller coaster, very big highs and some really deep lows along the way. But in spite of that roller coaster, maybe even because of the roller coaster, motherhood has turned out to be one of the grandest adventures and greatest blessings of my life. And I almost missed it. So I'm so very grateful. Next month, both my girls will be home for a short while, and while I mo what I most look forward to are leisurely dinners with the four of us, laughing together, rejoicing in the wonder that these two girls have grown up to be such remarkable, kind, gifted, energetic, loving young ladies. If I were not their mom, I would still want to be their friend. And later today, I'll get on a plane, and even though I'm going to lose a couple hours, I can't wait to get home to have dinner with one of them who just drove home from college, and it will be the highlight of my day. Right now, my niece Amy, with three young girls, can't even imagine a season of life where she would just sit down and have dinner with her girls in a relaxed way. But I would tell her, Amy, this is going to happen before you know it. So savor these days. Savor these moments. Don't miss it because it will fly past you with stunning speed. Well, I promised you I was wrapping up, and we have just one more thing to do. And I would like to honor and speak to a couple groups of people here today, both here and at the Santan campus and in Overflow. So wherever you may be sitting, I want all grandmothers to stand. If you're a grandmother, would you please stand to your feet? Let's give them a hand. Oh, wow, lots of grandmas. Stay standing, stay standing. Don't sit down. I know you're all very humble and shy, but I want to say something to you, so stay there for a moment. I know you know this, but you play such a vital role in the lives of both your adult kids and your grandchildren. Whether they live close to you or not, you are another person who can love those children with an outrageous love, and you don't even have to do all the hard parts, you know? You can send them home when they're naughty. And so I want to ask you to continue to give the kind of love and energy you've been giving all along. Don't underestimate how vital your role is and how you can be such a safe place for your adult kids who are trying to figure this out. They value you tremendously, and we honor you today. Now, would all the other moms stand to your feet? Stepmoms, moms, and also um, moms-to-be, if you're expecting your first child, stand. 
Lots of moms. Okay, stay standing. And I just want to underscore for each of you, figure out motherhood for yourself. No one else is going to mother exactly like you will. God will give you what you need to really see your children, listen to them, and value them. And don't do it without taking some care of yourself along the way. You really need that, and you need each other. Let's stop comparing ourselves to other moms and other women and just celebrate that God will help us forge our unique path. You can do this, and you're already doing it really, really well. So give yourself some grace today, and I hope you feel honored and treasured. And now would everybody stand and join these women? Most of us have some kind of mom in our life. If your own mother is still living, I hope you will find a way to communicate value to her today. Even if she didn't do it perfectly, tell her the things that you most appreciate about her. If you're married to a mom, step it up, guys. Okay, this is the day. You gotta honor her in some way. Let her take a nap. That's probably the best gift you could possibly uh, give her. <laughs> and if you know a single mom, especially come alongside her, look in her eyes, tell her what a valuable person she is and that you know she's a hero in your book. And if you've got really little kids, help them honor their mom as well. Let's celebrate today the wonder of family. Let's pray together. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that you designed this miraculous thing called families. What a gift you have given to us. We pray for those who need a special dose of your comfort today, who need your mothering because of a wound, because they came in here with a lump in their throat, because this is a hard day for some. We pray, God, that you will walk with them through this day. And we pray for every mom and grandmother in this room today. We ask, God, that they would feel your smile, that we would give themselves grace and recognize that you don't expect them to do this alone or to do it perfectly, that you will walk with them every step of the way. May they feel our appreciation. May they feel your delight. And may this be a day when we say, thank you, God, that you allowed us to be moms. In the name of Jesus, our Savior, we pray. Amen.